Quantum Computers. This is Intelligent Performance. Welcome to the Intelligent Performance Podcast, where we are fanatical about excellence in human endeavor and champions of ambition. And today we welcome L. Tucker, an author and expert on the sharing economy. In today's conversation, Elle introduces us to the world of the sharing economy as we look at how this exciting model of access to things instead of ownership of items is rapidly transforming the world. We explore the economics and practicalities. We look at why the sharing economy is having such a massive impact on fighting climate change and on helping the environment. Plus, we dig into lots of practical ways that people and businesses can embrace all of the opportunities that the sharing economy has to offer. It's a really inspiring conversation. There are lots of fascinating and thought-provoking nuggets to take away. So I'm really excited to share this with you. As always, thank you so much for joining us and let's jump straight to it. Um, where I'd like to start is just the sharing economy overall. You know, Where did your passion for and your interest in the sharing economy come from? Hi, thanks for having me on the podcast. It's great to be here. Sharing economy, I know it's a bit random. It's not like you wake up one day and think that is what I really want to get into. It's <laughs> It's a bit of a more of a gradual process. And I suppose it goes back quite a few years, really. And there was an interest in platforms like Airbnb. And pretty much nobody knew any other sharing economy platforms. And I was working as a journalist at the time. And before that, I'd been working advertising and really just sort of you know, getting on with writing. And, and I'd heard about Airbnb and I'd written an article about home sharing and it just really piqued my interest the idea mm. that you know technology could connect people virtually but then that mm. connection would translate into a real life one and that there could be benefits whether that was you know economical benefits or you know sustainable benefits etc and and this was early days and I'd like to say it was some sort of straight route along to being consultant in that space and an author but no it wasn't I set up communications agency with a woman I met at the time specializing in the sharing economy nobody really understood what we were doing so it was a bit too ahead <laughs> of its time but it was super fun and we you know really made connections all over the world actually because there really wasn't much happening in the UK around that time mm. in the sharing economy so it allowed us to sort of connect globally really with other people working in this space and on the back of that, I also set up another marketing agency specializing in sort of two-sided marketplaces, you know, always always trying to kind of like move further into that space, but sort of quite really working out where I, I fit I fitted in. And then from that point onwards, I suppose really just having built up all these connections, that was when I started working completely in the sharing economy space. Because after a few years, I think you've built up quite a lot of knowledge about what's happening and you're able to pass that on to your clients. So that's that's where I am today, sort of six, seven years on, really, I suppose. That's great. And maybe just take a quick step back and maybe you could just explain for anybody who's very unfamiliar with the sharing economy. Yeah. Is there a, a kind of set definition or at least that one you have for, for what it is? Yeah. yeah I mean, yeah. Kind of go with the one that I have, and I laid this out in my book. And I think that, in a way, some people might disagree with me, but at the same time, you've kind of got to set your stall out, haven't you? If yeah. you're writing about something and talking about something, you've got to say, okay, here is what I think it is. Right. There might be other theories, there might be other definitions, but you've got to work from something, haven't you? So I 
my definition of the sharing economy is using technology, whether that's in the form of a online platform or website or an app on your phone. So using technology to connect with other people to swap, borrow, rent, lend things instead of buying them. So I mean, that's what I from. So examples of that would be obviously we've just mentioned Airbnb. That's the kind of classic, isn't it? And that that was what really kind of created the model. Sometimes people talk about Uber when it comes to the sharing economy. I'm not I don't include that. I think there's more to do with the gig economy. So let's mm. let's move that one out of the way. But really pretty much anything can be shared on an online platform. So we're talking anything from fashion, and that includes like your lovely clothes, your dresses, your designer clothes, your, you know, your shoes, your handbags, your accessories, your jewelry. You can share your furniture if you want. That sounds random, but you can. You can rent out your belongings. You can rent out your household items. So stuff you don't use very much, like, you know, carpet cleaners or garden furniture, anything like that. You can rent rent or borrow someone else's car their car parking space their ev charger you can rent their camping equipment or their camper van all these sorts of things that you know in the past we might have bought we can now use different platforms and apps to borrow from other people and and of course that means it's cheaper for you to do that because you're not buying it and you're not maybe renting it from a, a big company and it's better for the person at the other side of the transaction because they make money from it. But there are also lots of environmental benefits as well because it means less stuff is being produced. But I may be jumping ahead there, but that's my definition. Right, that's great. And thanks for the examples as well because I think that's really helpful. And, you know, I'm sure people are familiar with Airbnb, but they perhaps weren't realising that you could could class that as um, the share economy business. But it's interesting you'll see then mentioned uber you don't consider it and it's more of a gig economy so that's 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 curious too and maybe we could dive into that a bit further but i i was just interested in the kind of mindset because i think you know as in the work i've done over the years and the the conversation i've had around the sharing economy kind of the pushback i've received has often been around this and i was and i i encountered it myself in, in terms of when i started trying to embrace the sharing economy by starting to rent things instead of buying like for example i rented a an electric car for a period of time and it was on a kind of a a monthly rental and and also there was i rented it from a company who had a collaboration with another um, car sharing app so i could then rent out or sub rent essentially or sublet my car out as well but I really encountered this resistance because one, I didn't want to give my, you know, even though I didn't own it myself, I still, you know, kind of felt this kind of ownership of it. And I enjoyed that. And I felt I didn't want to let other people use it because they mm-hmm. might, you know, make it dirty or damage it or something like that. But there was just this kind of possessiveness I I mm-hmm. encountered. And I just found that really curious. And yeah, I'm just interested to know about the kind of mindset that we have to maybe embrace in order to in turn, embrace the sharing economy. That's interesting that you felt that. it's We do have an attachment to things, don't we? Mm. And I think that that's embedded in us. It's a, it's a cultural thing. It's a historical thing. And, you know, we do attach ourselves to, to objects. But I would say, you know, for people who think the sharing economy is not about owning at all, it's not. And I think that that's what's pretty cool about it and that's why it's easy to get involved because it's it's not that strict because when you think about it somebody's got to own to be able to share so this isn't about right. sort of living some kind of minimalist lifestyle and going and living in the woods and 
you know, I always use the example, it's not about composting your own poo because somebody's got to own it to share it. So I think it's about owning less. Mm. And this is the mindset we need. And what's brilliant about that is that it's really sort of short walk from where we are now. It's just saying you don't have to own everything. Why don't you borrow and, you know, rent stuff from other people, some stuff? And why don't you rent out some of the things you've got to other people? So it's it's kind of easier than this idea of get rid of all your stuff. And, you know, it sounds quite extremist, doesn't it? So almost like the feeling that you had about ownership there, it's like, that's okay. We can own some things. Let's just own a bit less. And that, that's, I think will help because we've got to do something, haven't we? And I think that that will help. Yeah, no, for sure. I think the other part that I noticed, Ellie, Elle, was um, that there is a certain self-worth you know we we kind of measure our self-worth or at least had in my head and maybe i'm just unusual in this but you know i kind of look around at the possessions i own and i kind of count up you know yeah how big my house is how big my car is and you know i don't know that gives me a sense of self-worth and then the smaller yeah. less possessions i have you know it's in some ways it's it also, i can feel well i don't have as much yeah. as someone else has got more so if you encountered that and i guess you know what's well, the yeah, well, this this is where I'm cheeky, Alex, because that's a generational thing. And <laughs> so that's because we're not young. Well, I'm, I'm older than you, I'm sure. But at the same time, there's a new generation coming through. And, and I just don't think they've got that mindset as much. Right. And it's brilliant because yeah. it, it gives me, you know, it gives me hope. But yeah. I think that you know, these shifts do take generations. But when you think about it, this uh, this concept of access over ownership, and that's mm. a really interesting hashtag to follow, by the way, mm. um, social media access over ownership. This really comes in when we start thinking about stuff like our music and film, right? So, mm. but, you know, when I moved house when, you know, I was a student, you'd be carting big bagfuls of cds and oh, i was gonna say dvds it was probably videos <laughs> <laughs> just to just to really age myself there. but this was a, it was my stuff look at much stuff she's got oh it's yeah. brilliant now you think about like the gen z's coming in it's just about their subscription they love yeah. it they love a bit yeah. of subscription it's just sort of like you know let's watch that goodbye i'm done with it they don't feel the need to like own a film that's bizarre or own their music it's all just like you know spotify and everything and and i think that really translates into the way that they're living their lives in other areas as well because they're so literate with stuff like you know depop and all these like clothing resale things they just don't have the same attachment to possessions i don't think as we do and that's taken a while to come through and it's really i'm not saying it's all young people but in answer to your question i i get what you mean i feel that the amount of stuff i've got is definitely sort of like an indication of my status or lack mm. of status but mm. you know i just i think that that is shifting and i think we just need to look at that younger generation to see that it is shifting that's great news yeah i guess it's also a function of anything isn't it you get used to what is the normal and like you say there's all these streaming platforms now which is just some of them are pretty well they've only ever known that they, they would never have owned a dvd or a cd or a tape i um, you know themselves they would always have just streamed it so it's just it's just what yeah and so i can see how that mindset would naturally have 
been taken on just because of the of what they've got access to. So that's interesting. And and let's let's I want to dig into the other things you mentioned around the benefits. So you mentioned I'm curious about the the economics of this because obviously it's an economy as as the name suggests. But you say it's cheaper. I. I also had a challenge. Again, if I go out to my electric car that was renting, I talked to relatives and friends about what I was doing. And I had my auntie, for example, who was looking to buy a new electric car. Sorry, I should say she wanted to get a new electric car. And I encouraged her to try to do the same as me. But for her, she wanted to have the resale value of owning her own car. Again, this kind of status with it, this wanting to have access to it at all times, things like this. And when I, it was hard for me to try and balance up the economics, whether actually what I was doing was more cost effective than what she was doing. So could you yeah give us yeah, yeah. the kind of expert I mean, it, view on that? I think it's not always. That's the thing. It doesn't right. suit everything and it's right. not always cheaper. But I think that if you have a higher value item and it occasional use, this is where the sharing economy really comes into play. Because you know stuff like say you're like a sort of giant sort of camper van or something, how often will you want to use that right. not very often so it's sitting idle so it's about making use of underutilized assets with cars i mean it sounds to me like you've not really done sharing economy it sounds like it's more like a subscription rental from a company so it's not peer-to-peer -peer. Mm, right? No, that's right yeah yeah so it's not really sharing economy it's just rental which okay. you know great I'd love a bit of rental it's all about access again access over ownership but it's not peer-to-peer -peer. Right. so you're not renting right. it from another person so no, it's not already been bought by somebody else and is lying unused and I think that's crucial sounds yeah. to me like from what your aunt has said you know that that possibly wouldn't work for her and then this is mm. what I think what the beauty of the sharing economy is that you can usually find an area of the sharing economy that will work for you and it's not going to be necessarily the same as what works for somebody else. And, you know, in my book, I try tons of different types of sharing economy stuff. And, you know, a lot, some of it goes wrong, some of it goes right. And some of the stuff I've stuck with and I continue to do, but they're the things that work for me. I go to a lot of work events and stuff like that. I've discovered like renting clothes off other women. It's just perfect for me. Love mm. it. That might not be for someone else, uh, sure. and you know, and and the rental, the car rental thing might not work for your for your aunt. But what might sure. work for her is being on the other side of the transaction. Sounds like she wants to own her car, but what about when it's sitting there unused? Yeah, so we've got to remember there's two sides of that peer to peer transaction. There's the person renting the thing off someone, and there's a the person renting their thing out. And it could be she's a supplier rather than. A, on the demand side so yeah she could still be involved in the sharing economy and like i said at the start of the interview there is uh, you know a sense that it's not about not owning stuff somebody's got to own it and maybe mm. she's she's one of the owners so it's not to say that you can't get involved in the sharing economy just by buying something you can be the the provider that's great no that's a really helpful distinction i hadn't thought of it in that term in terms of, you know, me renting it from like, yeah, it's just rental, isn't it? It's not sharing. Because, I mean, you could argue the company, they're sharing it and they're obviously then they'll give, I'll give it back and then they'll share it with someone else. But it is, it's, that's rental. That's been going on for a long time. So I, I get that. Let's just dig into the, the environmental side as well, because you obviously mentioned you know, the, the obvious part is just reducing the amount of stuff. We can just share, you know, more items or sorry, we should share items. Then we, we don't need to all own one. Because I think there's a ridiculous stat, isn't it, about 
power drills. I think the average lifespan of a power drill in the UK is like seven minutes because people buy it for like yeah. use it once, put it in a drawer, and never use it again. So you could just rent that yeah. or borrow it from your neighbour or something. So, but yeah, maybe you could just explain and outline a few more of the environmental benefits. And I'm also interested, Elwood, maybe you could elaborate on this, but. I, you know, there's this planned obsolescence, which is a huge problem where manufacturers have been designing products to fail after a certain period of time. So they have to buy new ones. But by, I guess that is more rental as I think about from what you just said, but are we able to start getting the manufacturers to start taking back these products and, and you know, making them better because they, it's gonna, they know it's going to come back? Is that part of the sharing economy or is that something different? Um, that's generally called take back. And, you know, it, it does the, the, the responsibility should be and i know that there is you know legislation in the pipeline there to make them more responsible for you know the life of the products they produce i mean planned obsolescence is just a it's, i mean it's a crime isn't it but these these are parts of the circular economy so probably it's helpful to say where does the sharing economy fit with the with the circular economy yeah. because circular yeah. economy is a more familiar term everyone has probably heard of that some people think the sharing economy is an alternative to the circular economy or some people think it's another name for it but i would say again this is my opinion but i think that the sharing economy is part of the the circular economy it's right. one way to be more circular so the circular economy is about keeping things in circulation i mean it's so obvious that right. you know why wouldn't we want to do that so too much stuff is produced and that has a huge carbon you know cost because the cost of making stuff like you know you mentioned power drills it's huge this the, the manufacturing process it uses a huge amount of carbon so creating things is really bad for the environment and actually chucking them out at the other end of this cycle is really bad for the environment because mm. you know we've got all this waste going into the landfill and some of this waste is you know giving off horrible gases it's all just a big mess up and circular being more circular just means okay let's keep things going so produce less at one end chucks less away at the other end and create this circle so there's lots of ways to be more circular so obviously everyone's familiar with recycling reuse repair all these things and sharing is actually part of that because if you can rent out something and share it with other people it's one way to keep it in that circle really isn't it so it's about being more circular so yeah that that's where it, it kind of fits in, and do you know what? I've actually forgotten what your original question was. Because well, no, I sorry, I, I, it's my fault. I asked you a question, then I also put a big kind of tangent on the side of it. But I was just asking about the environmental benefits. So you've mentioned though, haven't you? You've talked about how things go into landfill. We need to keep them out of landfill. We need to keep them in yeah for longer. So yeah, are there any other environmental benefits though that we haven't discussed? To the sharing economy. Well, I think it's, yeah. um, it depends because when you think about the sharing economy, sharing economy is a business model. And mm. sometimes I see it being called an industry and it's really not. It's a model. Right. And that model can be applied to, you know, loads of different industries. I would love to say all industries, probably not, but I don't know. I need to think about that. But a case of actually taking an industry and saying you can do this a bit differently so obviously i've used that example of fashion it's hugely mm. polluting industry sure. there it's more than the aviation industry it's nuts wow. 
how can we apply sharing to that? And and some great work is being done with these peer-to-peer platforms where women are or and men are renting clothes from from each other. So mm. you know that is obviously helping less clothing be produced it's about slow fashion as opposed to fast fashion so keeping clothes in in circulation and keeping them out of landfill at the other end of the cycle so that's helping the environment in in that way but then if you apply the sharing economy to a completely different industry the environmental benefits could be different so if it was say relating to we've mentioned car sharing what's the benefit here yes of course less cars could potentially be produced which has a huge carbon benefit but also if you're car sharing in a neighborhood then it means there's less cars on the road there's also less cars parked and i know this sounds crazy but i find this really interesting it means that if there's less cars parked there's more parking spaces and do you know what causes a huge amount of emissions is people driving around looking for car parking spaces wow. yeah so in urban areas and we have been reading a lot about emissions recently and people just think it's like you know causes problems with like asthma or you know breathing yeah. actually tons more problems health-wise for people and obviously it's been in the news this week because of maybe some ill-advised government approaches to electric vehicles which i won't get into but you know basically we need to get these emissions out of the air Mm. (laughs) they're really bad for us not just they're not it's not just a kind of like a light cough situation it's really bad for us so anyway the environmental benefits there for car sharing completely you know unique to that industry and so it it goes on. You apply the sharing economy to a specific thing and the environmental benefits are related to that. Again, food waste is another one. Right. You know, what we're seeing with food, a lot of food goes into landfill. I mean, food waste is just, the, honestly, the it's super gross how much um, food we're chucking out. It's like, you know, the amount of methane it produces in landfill is like the amount produced by like an entire country or something. It's so right. awful. So again applies to that specific industry that the the individual uh, environmental benefits if that right. answers your question no no, very no not at all that paints a perfect picture that's great and, I think, and as you say it's like very specific potentially to the different um, models that the share economy is mm. being applied to in, in in certain ways so that's great well you know th- this is um business podcast and obviously we call the intelligent performance podcast so i was, I was curious from your perspective you know what does intelligent performance mean to you in a maybe sharing economy context? And and also maybe could you talk us how would you think utilizing the sharing economy is a an intelligent approach? Or maybe you can answer one or both of those questions, however you like. <laughs> I think it is a very intelligent approach. And one of the reasons for that is that it's not new. And mm. this is the thing. The technology is new. And so it makes sense. It's very intelligent for us to be using technology. But what we're doing, which is even cleverer, is we're using technology to revive old ways of doing things. And it's one of the things I love about the sharing economy is that the concept of it, this peer-to-peer, this community, this, you know, doing it between ourselves idea is age old. And this is why it's so clever because 
the technology is allowing us to do is connect with people that we don't know. And that's mm. something that we were never really able to do in the past. And it's allowing us to do it more safely. It's allowing us to do it at scale, sharing with people all over the world. What? Mm. And, you know, that is, I just think, it's genius. It's more than intelligent. It's genius. <laughs> so, yeah, really intelligent approach there. But obviously, it's... um you know, it's still evolving, but sure. yeah, that this idea that the technology now is kind of like making us reconnect with the past. And, you know, in my book, I talk about some of the ways that we used to share stuff way back. And actually it's just part of the way that we evolved as, as humans, but it kind of got lost along the way. And people just, as you say, started to just sort of like stockpile their things and, and build their status around their things. And, you know, just, maybe add too much importance to them but now yeah. we need to sort of unpick that and it's the technology that is allowing us to do that so yeah really right. smart yeah sorry just to quickly just tell, tell us some examples of how we used to do it then i'm curious when you say it's age old what do we oh, used to do yeah 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 so um well um well i spoke to various experts and some just more kind of like oral history people i i actually know like my mom mm. who was in my book talking about how when she watched the queen's coronation in the 1950s yes 50s they didn't have a tv so her and neighbors congregated at right. one of the houses on the street where there was a tv so it's this sort of like you know communal way of of living and accessing one thing rather than you know maybe these days everyone on the street has a tv i mean that right. probably wouldn't work because we all want, want to watch tv a lot more but you know it's just an example of how everyone came together to access one thing i spoke to a historian at edinburgh university who was an expert in prehistory and he told me that food sharing was actually in hunter-gatherer communities one of the things that defined us as humans, you know, mm. way back and actually helped us to evolve in, you know, into primitive societies because what food sharing did between, you know, little communities of hunter-gatherers, what it allowed us to do was for um, maybe members of these groups who were, I don't know, nursing or sick to be still be fed, whereas previously they would have sort of fallen by the wayside so this sort of food sharing to kind of you know strength strengthen the whole group rather than just individuals this was one of the things that allowed us to actually evolve as humans and I mean clothes sharing I've touched on that we you know it's coming into play now to to help us to to beat the the environmental cost of fast fashion but it was a necessity during the second world war pre-technology to share clothing because of clothes rationing we all know about food rationing but clothes right. rationing was really restrictive and went on i think right into the 1950s so people just you know they didn't have as as much and they shared what they did have especially you know children's clothes so swapping clothing and sharing in between community groups was absolutely the norm before we all discovered sort of Primark and started just sort of like hoarding things. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, loads of precursors. A really interesting one, actually, sorry, just one more. There's the the idea, the sort of sharing economy idea of, of parking spaces where you can rent out your driveway to somebody to park in. And there are some 
complex environmental benefits to this. But again, touching on I mentioned before about people driving around looking for parking spaces, you know, is a is a really bad way to sort of, you know, for emissions, it's very bad for that. Anyway, the, one of the precursors to that, which um, Rob Brown, who's the founder of a park sharing app called Curb, who I spoke to for the book, he was telling me back in the day, if you had a, a driveway near a, maybe like a big stadium or sports ground, pre-digitalization, you would people would get their kid to stand in the drive with a big sign saying park here for 10 quid. And you know, someone would drive in, park their car, hand over the cash, and that was it. So what these apps are doing in that sense is sort of enabling people to do that, you know, without having to make their, their child stand in their driveway with a big sign. <laughs> so it, it just makes everything, you know, a bit more, yeah, scalable, I think. Yeah. No, that's, that, it just reminds me when I, you know, I'm a football fan and I used to go and watch my team, Aston Villa, play on Birmingham. And I remember, yeah, seeing driveways where people just were like letting people, the local fans come and park, charging them. But yeah, it's, but now that you're like, really? you say, so yeah. But I never thought it's, yeah, it's a business. They made some good money on match days. So yeah, that's great. <laughs> no, that's wonderful because it just sort of shows, yeah, it's funny how these things come in cycles, isn't it? We've been doing it in a different way. And then technology is now allowing us to do it at scale, as you say. So that's wonderful. I'd love to go, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to put a dampener on things too much, but I have noticed that various share economy businesses, you know, sadly have started to go bust in certain instances. And it does seem to be a bit of a trend happening, you know, various times. I just wonder if you could just tell us about what the reason behind this is, if there's been any particular patterns you've noticed or any can, you know, consistencies around why that's happening. Because it's because it's new. It's really new. And this is the thing. I think, you know, people have to give the sharing economy a chance and it's still getting going. And of course, some, you know, of these early stage platforms have fallen by the wayside because, well, so many reasons. First of all, you know, they are trying to speak to people and get them to change their mindset. And that is a lot to do because, Mm. you know, it's hard, you know, quite often potential customers don't even really understand what the benefits are. So there's a whole piece there about, you know, being able to communicate that as well. Also, you know, they're making mistakes for the first time and, and they haven't necessarily got previous companies to learn from, which, you know, obviously is, is much needed. So there will be ones that, you know, falling you know, by the wayside, you know, because it's not well established and the mindset maybe sort of isn't there or maybe in some sectors and it has to be a mindset shift and an understanding of what the benefits are. And also, you know, technology is still evolving and there has to be this balance between ease. This this stuff has got to be as easy as retail, you know, because otherwise people won't be bothered with it. They've got to, you know, people want an easy life. They want stuff to look familiar they want stuff to look a bit like buying so there's got to be that balance between it being easy but also being safe and I mean this is part of the work I do with marketplace risk which is you know an organization which helps with the sort of trust and safety element of the sharing economy because it's finding that balance it's like you know making it safe but making it easy so you know that that's a tricky nut to crack for sure and then i think policy and regulation as well because although you know people love to sort of hear about how you know airbnb is being you know regulated in many cities and certainly you know quite often for for really good reasons but a lot of the time you know this regulation that controls big companies actually stifles smaller ones as well 
So I think policymakers have to, you know, just maybe look at the bigger picture a bit and, you know, just make sure that it is, you know, being monitored and regulated in the right way, but also we're allowing innovation to take place as well. That's really important. So, you know, give this space a chance because there's lots of benefits there, but obviously make sure that nobody takes over. Yeah, no, that, that's a fair point. And I, I think, you know, yeah, I hadn't thought of what you just said, but, you know, these guys, most of the people who are running these kind of businesses, they're pioneers, as you said, and it's hard because there's no other businesses who've done what they're doing in some way. So, and also, you know, the nature of business, the the numbers of small businesses that fail is just astronomical. It's, it's always been that way. And so I'm sure this is impacting the sharing economy business in the same the same kind of fashion so you know that makes that makes perfect sense and obviously these as you say you've got to be patient with these things it's an evolving space so no that's 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 good to understand i'm, I'm curious from your perspective like if, if i'm a business owner um i wonder if i should try and give you a more of a specific picture of who i'm thinking of but i guess you know maybe you could talk to different size businesses but if you're a business owner or a business you know what are the opportunities do you see for businesses in the sharing economy if they want to try and adopt part of the sharing economy into their business who who are maybe best positioned to do that and what are the opportunities well do you know what you've touched on something here which i think is going to be has to be huge but it is it's it's taking a while to you know really get going and that is b2b business to business sharing economy it's so exciting and it has so much potential so we've talked about consumer sharing so you know your car your clothes your all this stuff that you own as an individual but think about the potential for businesses so you know imagine a sort of retailer not in retail like an industrial park or something with lots of businesses you know think about all the things that they use that they own as an individual business so it's like consumer sharing but just on a much bigger scale and this could be you know for companies who maybe work in healthcare loads of different equipment which is similar and they all have it and don't need it all the time this Mm. could be for all sorts of businesses you know things like you know electronic stuff like printers and stuff this could be sort of chairs or furniture these sorts of things you've got big organizations with multiple sites like universities that spread across a city or governmental organizations which have multiple sites as well that can share stuff between the sites so businesses can share with each other it's not just assets it's not just physical stuff that they can share it's it's stuff you know it's like space as well Mm -hmm. storage and that's huge so there's a real potential there and this can really help businesses with their bottom line as well and to help them to tick lots of boxes when it comes to you know their sustainability goals so i really think this is you know something that you're going to see more and more businesses getting into it needs technology it needs right. and there are some exciting companies coming to coming through there's a company in the netherlands called flow 2 they provide the technology for businesses to you know, to share with each other. It's just getting more and more people involved in this because obviously they have to create these sort of networks to share with it. And obviously for big organizations like, you know, governments who've got multiple sites or, you know, healthcare companies, you know, or like NHS or something, you know, multiple sites to sort of share between, but it's got it's got to be very well organized. There's a pharmaceutical 
company that uses this technology, I think, in the Netherlands. And what they do is share drugs, actual drugs that are going to go out of date but haven't yet to avoid wastage. And they share it using this technology. And, you know, it stops more stuff having to be produced. It stops stuff going into waste. It's called PharmaSwap. It's brilliant. So when you start to think about the potential of the sharing economy for businesses, it's like your mind just goes crazy. I mean, yeah. I was doing some work, some consulting work in this floristry industry. And a lot of the sort of big orders of flowers, and there's a huge carbon cost with stuff that's sort of grown in like hot houses and everything. A lot of the flowers that might, you know, end up being thrown out, which is just, you know, again, and that goes into like, you know, composting and landfill and all sorts. I don't know you know, shared between local florists. It's like, you know, I've got three lilies here that are going to go out, you know, about to go off, you know, another florist around the corner might need them for a particular bouquet that day. I know it sounds sort of like, how could that help? But imagine that done at scale and how businesses aren't collaborating as yet. And, you know, you any industry, you could just think of it, you know, sharing our resources for, for everyone's benefit. You could save everyone could save money and obviously the planet would benefit as well. So, yeah, anyway, I'm excited about the potential of it. Yeah, I can hear. No, I, I, I can share your enthusiasm and excitement because, like, yeah, I can, it makes me think, God, well, yeah, you just got to start looking at business a different way. That's, the, that's the, the way that's the thing to do, isn't it? So, yeah, that's great, Ellie. Really excited about that. The... To kind of like, start to wrap up now, but curious, like, what your prediction for, you know, what a kind of sharing economy world will look like, ten maybe ten maybe you could just give us two versions, or maybe ten years from now, and then also fifty years from now. What what do you kind of predict mm. what the world will look like in sharing economy wise? Uh, well, I'm going to be optimistic. Okay, um, great. That's who I am. But okay, so I would say in ten years, right? First of all the moment, and we've been discussing this, there are peer-to-peer sharing economy apps for all a bunch of different things. And I, I think that's great, but I would love this to evolve maybe in the next decade to be less about an individual app for sharing, but more about the thing itself and how we can access that in a more circular way. So just to give you an example, and I'm going to go back to clothing because I think, you know, it's, just is probably one of the sort of far most fast moving areas of the sharing economy but okay so picture this lovely designer dress it's a sort of eight nine hundred pound dress don't want to buy it too much money but it's on this app instead of it being a sharing economy app maybe there's a sharing option but there's other options as well so lovely dress and then i'm choosing maybe in a menu below that how i'm gonna access it so maybe i can own it fractionally with other people. I can borrow it from somebody nearby and it shows me, you know, who's got it in the city that I'm living in. Or maybe somebody's trying to resell it for less. Or, you know, maybe I can rent it from, from a company rather than another individual. So it's about the sharing economy working with other ways of accessing stuff in a more circular way you know, because it's all about keeping stuff in circulation. I think that the sharing economy has got to be an option rather than necessarily, you know, I'm a sharing economy person. This person is another person, you know, it's just got to blend in a bit more. And I think that that would be something I would love to see in the next 10 years, 50 years. Yeah. um, I would, I would really like the 
term sharing economy not to exist anymore. And I don't mean that in a negative way. I just, I would love it to just be the way that we do things and people not to think about it. It shouldn't have a name. It has a name because it's like, oh, that's that's new, but it, it shouldn't be. And I don't want it to be new. I don't want it to be innovative. I just want it to be the way we do things. And actually that Gen Z generation that we were talking about at the beginning of the conversation, in 50 years time, they are going to be, you know, the older generation. And with any luck, their access over ownership attitude towards life will have filtered right through. And we will have finally be, you know, serving this planet in in the in the right way. And we won't be hoarding loads of stuff, but it just won't have a name anymore. It will just be the way we live our lives. Right. That's you might be out of a job though, El, if that's the case. Nonetheless, <laughs> or dead, you know, you know. <laughs> I wouldn't say that. But yeah, well, so I get that. But no, that's great. What a positive way to, to end the conversation. That, that's wonderful. Well, listen, thank you so much for your time. And, um, you know, your book, thanks for sharing. We'll link to it in the show notes. I'll also include some other links to to, to learn more about you because I'm sure people want to explore more of the work you're doing, maybe some of the organizations you you mentioned as well. But um yeah, just it's really exciting, you know, the work you're doing and the people you're working with, the organizations you're working with. So thank you for your contribution to yeah, you know, helping us live in the planet in a in a more sustainable way. It's you know, I think what you're doing is fantastic. So really appreciate your conversation today. Real pleasure, Alec. Thanks for having me.